We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Sunday morning. It's November 25th. I got Chris Pine from the Strib here with me a day early to give this episode a little bit of time before the Wolves play the Celtics on Monday. And Chris, to, to discuss another Wolves uh, blowout, I think like the basic 10,000 foot view of this game, right, is it was a good cat and a good ant game simultaneously 25 and 7 uh for cat while he got to the line 10 times 31 8 and 6 for ant on really effective shooting was a hot shooting game uh for ant and kind of because of that they win the game by 28 points i I feel like if they get that from cat and ant and they don't get blasted in transition defense or really hurt on the glass like they can kind of beat anyone um is, is where i'm kind of shifting to with this i know the the rebounding was a little bit of an issue last night right so i feel like if maybe you check a couple of those boxes against a lesser team uh like utah like I, i'm just starting to expect that if they get this from cat and ant and they don't get hurt on the glass and in transition like they should win kind of by like 20 points as they did <laughs> they, right? they should they should they should and they, they did and they did and that's even with allowing a lot of second chance points last mm-hmm. night like the rebounding was the, the worst rebounding effort uh of the season so mm-hmm. far but it, it ended up not mattering in the ends uh, at least last night you in utah we kind of talked about this in the press room last night utah is not the kind of frisky fun version of utah i yeah. i don't i don't I, i'm mm-hmm. kind of with that thought, like this is not what Utah was a year ago either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, you know, Ant, I think Ant's game to me was a little more interesting than, than Katz was yeah, um, because the score, a lot of his scoring, I think he had 12 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So 12 is 31 came in the fourth quarter. They had kind of built the lead, but that's not to say that Ant was just filling stats. Um, well, he had 19 in the first half. But the other thing that he was doing though, was he had eight rebounds he had six assists. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was noteworthy because of what he said Wednesday 
after the game, kind of that quote where he said he was being a little selfish and he needed to focus more on doing the other things when the scoring wasn't going. And even though he was scoring okay through the first three quarters, at least those other things were there. Yeah. So I thought that was an encouraging sign. And then, you know, fourth quarter blowout, he, he gets a couple shots to go and he gets the total up to 31. Um, but to me, it was at least notable that it, he was he was engaged throughout the rest of the game. He was mm-hmm. filling up the stat sheet elsewhere. I thought his defense was pretty good uh, last night as well. Yep. So to me, that that was the most the most encouraging thing. Carl hitting a couple threes is development number two on my list of, mm-hmm. of important things from last night. Um, him getting going in the third quarter by hitting the two threes, I think, was a was a major lift for for him and for the offense as a whole. Um, if he, you know, kind of starts regressing back to the mean of what he can shoot from three point range, because Ant's probably going to come down in that. Ant's going to come down right. in that. He's shooting over fifty percent from three point range. So, Cat getting going from deep, another significant development last night. So that's kind of the that's kind of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe it's not in the same quarter that Ant and Cat are going, but over the course of a game having ant quarters cat quarters plus don't get hurt in transition defense and don't get hurt on the glass you become a really threatening team when you do that the whatever the the transition defense and the rebounding thing is like kind of self-explanatory like we've pounded that into the ground of like they need to do that they've talked about how they need to do that the guards need to do this. The, the guards need to rebound. The bigs need to get back. Whatever. Like we, I, we understand that part of the equation. That's like their weak points. Um, I don't have my head totally wrapped around like what allows it to happen that Ant and Cat can both have good games simultaneously. And the closest thing I was just like thinking about this this morning briefly was like I feel like Finch almost needs to. It's almost like Finch pushing one into the primary position and pulling another one back. Like I noticed in the third quarter, that's when Carl was rolling, right? Yeah. What normally happens in the third quarter? Ant normally plays the whole, the whole quarter, right? right? And then he comes back in like midway through the fourth. That's normally what happens. Cat's rolling. Like you said, he hits some of those threes and Finch pulled Ant with like four and a half minutes or something like that left in the third quarter. And he decided to let Cat kind of, have that be his quarter i guess ideally right you want them to be able to to happen in tandem and that just happens every night right but right <laughs> you know right now while they're still figuring it out i think while ant is maturing they're they're still learning some things with rudy and spacing and all those sort of things um maybe, maybe they need a little bit of like structure in the who's on the floor right, G- right. giving opportunities um in that sort of way i just think it's encouraging for the team to see that they found a way to do it um, in this game while, while it wasn't just, they were both awesome and they just shot the lights out and they were awesome for all four quarters. Right. They kind of went like, turn the volume up and down on the, on the two of them. And I guess, I mean, that game, that game was still very close to yeah. the third quarter. Like it was tied like mm-hmm. maybe almost halfway through the third quarter when Carl went on his, mm-hmm. went on his run. Um, and in, I, you know, we've seen that with Finch before. He'll, he'll, you know, he's not set in stone if a guy is going. 
Um, how many times has Nas Reed played like 13 straight minutes yeah, yeah. at times? Or Kyle too. Anderson. Or yeah. Kyle Anderson. Like those guys will go like, you know, a quarter plus without getting a, a, a rest. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't like, you know, I, I was kind of rewatching the third quarter last night. Utah went zone for a little bit, and that's yep. how that's how Carl got going. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't like Ant and Carl were also playing off of each other that, that much when, mm-hmm. when like, they were just finding, I, I guess, they were just what, finding, the defense was finding what the defense was giving. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. There were like, a couple of those zone possessions. Ant had the nice lob to Rudy when they were in zone, yep. uh, which was encouraging to see. Carl shot it over the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was the most encouraging game that they've had offensively. I think Carl's starting to really feel the rhythm. He he had he had bad numbers overall. If you just kind of look at the box score against Denver or like inefficient yeah. numbers, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel like the Denver game was Carl's was a bad game for Carl no. overall. No. I thought I felt like it was a pretty good game. Well, and and the job he did on Jokic, and the job he did on Jokic, right? Exactly. And I thought he did get a jo- good job on Collins last yeah. night too. Like mm-hmm. the defense is buoying some of whatever the we want to call it, like getting his confidence back offensively, finding his rhythm, what what whatever it might be, like. It sounds crazy to be talking about like this, but like the defense had kind of been the thing that Cat had yeah. been banking on in the offense, which obviously we know was not the first six years of his career. But that in and of itself um, is growth. And I, I thought just in the context of that game to Carl, like he was I think he was over three from three in the first half and he passed up at least one wide open one. Yeah. After after he started missing. And that was where you're like, man, like you still got to let those fire. But to his credit in that third quarter, he kind of he kind of let him rip. And and I think that's what I think that's what Finch was so encouraged to see. He said here post game that, you know, he wants more three point volume from Cat been talking a lot about cat making the ad- adapting offensively is that in the third quarter about as close as you've seen to kind of what he's capable of and, and yeah you know it was it was great i think to see some threes go in for him because uh you know we really need that we need him to take more um and we you know he he's gotten really good looks for most of the season so far and it's only a matter of time till they go in um you know i've had a matchup in the post too um you know so yeah it was good good to finally see him get a get a run going um, but yeah, yeah, I thought, you know, the other night he also played well, it was mostly down inside. Um, so good to get a couple games, you know, under the belt and his spacing has been really good and it's re- leading to a lot of good stuff for him and us, you know, you know, it also stood out to me, Chris, mm-hmm. 10 free throw attempts, nine for yes. 10 from the line. I looked it up last time. He took 10 free throws, uh, in a regular season game was March 19th of 2022. He did not shoot 10 free throws, double digit free throws in any game wow. all of last season. Obviously he missed, you know, the, the 50 games, but I still wasn't, I was like, I went to look like, Oh, what, how many times did he shoot double digit free throws last season? Thinking it, it wouldn't be a lot, but it'd be like three or four, none mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Um, and you had to go back to, to March of the season before uh, Rudy got here for that. That is, I think that's such a confidence builder for him too, because it also means when he's getting to the basket and feeling contact that he is getting the foul call right. rather than um, not maybe getting frustrated off of that. Or oftentimes when he goes to the basket and doesn't get the foul trouble, maybe he's going to trying to get it. So he falls uh, to the ground there. I thought he was effectively drawing 
contact there. I I don't think he was getting into it. Like I thought he had good emotional control. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was just. I think from him, it was kind of exactly what they need him to be right now. Once he started shooting, uh, the the threes in the second half. I thought the last couple of games, he's done a pretty good job of playing physical without going over the top. Sure. Um, like I give him credit for that. Yeah. You know, I think, I do think Wednesday he, he got away with some things um, against mm-hmm. Denver. I think he got, a, got away with a couple hooks and um, that, that did not go, that did not get called. But I do think overall when he's been kind of taking it to the rim or he's been backing people down. I think he's played with a with a good with a very good level of physicality that's drawn fouls more than he's committed offensive fouls and really used it to to his advantage. I I think I think he's if he can kind of bottle like that kind of physicality and not right. go over the top. We we've seen what it looks like when Carl goes over the top and commits offensive fouls and doesn't think he commits offensive fouls, but he really did. Mm-hmm. Um I think the last couple of games he's played with just the right level of of physicality. I think that's important for him, uh, mm-hmm. especially as if he's going to be kind of reestablishing a, a post game. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that's been encouraging these last couple of games. Because man, he's looks like he's going to see a lot of single coverage. You yeah. know, like yeah. that. That's the biggest thing. That's yeah. I think there's maybe some frustration of mm-hmm. people not seeing him score as much as they would want to in the post. And, yeah. you know, they're like, what, what, you know, what's going on? I need more from cat in that area. Well, I would just say like, that feels to me like one of like, give it some time. Um, because we know Carl can be a really effective one-on-one uh, post player. Right. And I mean, it's, and it's the same thing we've seen from Nas, like Nas is just getting it and attacking post-ups now. Cause they're both facing kind of like those smaller ball fours guarding them often. And the double, the doubles aren't coming. Like, I, I don't know. I, it, it would be something would need to be going on for Carl to not become a serious weapon on the block against fours. If there's doubles aren't yeah. coming, because you go back to the beginning of his career against fives in the post who should be more difficult for him to guard and post or play against in post-up situations. He was awesome. It was like him and Embiid and and all that. So what kind of, I felt like broke his post game was, was two years ago when they started doubling it every, they put a small on him and then they had the big come to double. That's not happening very often. So I thought it was a really good question from Jace. I think that was two games ago where he's like, you know, this Carl, he asked Finch, he's like, does Carl need to kind of get used to single coverage again? And I think the answer is yes, but the eventual answer to that question is I think he's going to be all right there. And that should be a place, particularly like you said, if he's effectively playing physical without hooking mm-hmm. or anything like that, just be bigger, go finish on people. Um, that like, th- there's a good game for Carl. What did I say? It was like 25. Like yeah. once we start seeing like the 35 point games, it's because he's made three or four threes. And I think he's, he's getting it in the post um, a little bit more, a little bit more effectively. And that really, that really should come. I'd be surprised uh, if it doesn't. I, I'd be surprised to just given his his track record there. And, and like you said, the thing two years ago was the small plus doubling Double. big combo. Mm-hmm. You do that now, and I feel like Ant's, yeah. Ant's going to hurt you, and teams, mm-hmm. I think, are very cognizant yep. of that. They don't want that happening. Carl is good enough to find Rudy yes. um, off of those situations, which is something he 
didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loves Vando, but I, I kind of I think I like Rudy in that situation more sure. than yeah. more than Vando did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 if he can get back to that, uh, get back to that level, I think that's a huge development for for this offense as a whole because he'll either make teams pay with that mm-hmm. single coverage or he'll make them pay if they do come in double. Um, he's he's smart enough and good enough to make that happen, I feel like. Absolutely. Quick break here. Um, want to let everyone know, and there's a kind of shorter window of time on this. Uh, from the Genesis Company, we are giving away two tickets uh, to the Wolves-Pelicans game on Wednesday. Uh, we had uh, Charlie W. got tickets to the Utah game uh, last night. I think it's Matt S is going to the Boston game um, on Monday with these tickets. They're lower, lower level, uh, Section One Ten, kind of uh, in the in the middle of the court there. So if you want to uh, enter for an opportunity to have those, uh, just be a Patreon subscriber, and we are choosing uh, one Patreon subscriber for every one of these games that we have tickets for to to just give away some tickets. So if you uh, yep, if you're already a Patreon subscriber, just uh, Hit us with a message that you are available for that game against the Pelicans uh, this coming Wednesday, and uh, we will select someone from that group. That's patreon.com slash NBA. There's a link to that in the show notes uh, on your podcast player or the YouTube channel. And then also, um, as the Wolves are winning, fun time to be able to go watch the game uh, with other Wolves fans. Obviously, Falling Knife Brewing Company. Uh, is the place that we recommend to check out these games. They got the games on the TVs with the sound on. I've heard there's been a bunch of fans that have been uh, at Falling Knife watching these games uh, early on in the season. So if you aren't going to Monday's game against Boston, which I think is going to like, I, I mean, I, that would be a sure, really, going to be a fun game. It's going to be a I fun game, be a right, fun game. man? Like yeah, if, if they absolutely. win that game, like I'm, you know, it's kind of time to like recalibrate. I'm really looking, really looking forward to that game. Really looking forward to that game. So <laughs> if you're not going to the game uh, at uh, at Target Center, um, and and you want to watch with other Wolves fans, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, Chris. I think the uh, just you know sit in the meeting room after we media room after we get out of the the locker room last night and and listening to Finch talk and some of the players um you know I, I think we were all I was believing we were all believing this was going to be a good defensive team but uh it's really kind of taking hold in my mind as much as it can over five games uh that this might be an elite defensive team I just, I mean, they are, again, it's only five games, but they're number one in defense right now uh, ahead of Boston, uh, the Clippers, the Magic, and the Knicks. And I was just like looking at that group of the the five teams that are there. It's like the Clippers, they were a, a, a bottom half team last year. Orlando wasn't a top 10 defense. The Knicks were 19th in defense last year. Minnesota and Boston were both top 10 defensive teams last season. And it feels like They've built on that. And I think with this Wolves and this defensive identity, this Wolves team and their defensive identity, it's not really a question if they're going to be a good defensive team. It's going to be, it's going to be one, how much they get hurt in transition defense. Like leave that there. But I already think this is a really good half court defensive team. And you got to think over time, the small things they're not doing, like, there's 77 more games. They're going to get better and better in those areas. Like I don't, I, 
I don't see this team regressing defensively in the half court. I I, I really I don't. don't. I mean, there's going to be either, bad right? weeks or whatever here and there, but I think the expectation is elite defensive team um, in the half court, and then it's just about how much are you keeping them out of transition, right? Like that's that's the identity yeah. of this group is defense. That's that's a hundred percent. And the thing to think about too is they've played five games. Jaden McDaniels missed two of those games, and he was in foul trouble a lot last about night. Missed last so, night. It's about, so it's about two and a half right. games without Jaden McDaniels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is is the is one of the more interesting facets of this defensive sure. start. Is that Jaden McDaniels is a huge part of this defense, and I don't re- really feel like right. we've gotten the full Jaden McDaniels experience yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 fun from my perspective as somebody who appreciates defense and hustling and rebounding and all that stuff, like it's fun to watch this team play defense. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it was uh, rewatching the game last night. Like I said, Ant really had moments where he popped off the screen. I thought defensively. Yeah. Um, Nikhil is a pleasure to watch defensively. Mm-hmm. There, there were times Nikhil was like, everywhere everywhere (laughs) and like there was one possession he knocked the ball away from two separate players i think he did it twice actually where he knocked the ball away twice on the same possession Mm -hmm. um jaden obviously is you know he he clamps people down except for maybe last night but and rudy we've talked a lot about how rudy looks like he is but to your point earlier i think carl has been playing really good defense finch has been over the moon Mm -hmm. about how Nas has been playing defense yep this season um you already know kyle anderson is is going to be a steady presence on, on that end of the floor no you're um, right though it's cat ant and nas are like cat ant and nas are the surprising like green arrow going up mm-hmm. defensively cat in that matchup like we said with yoke like I, I don't know if it's knowing he's got rudy behind him or what but really solid on Jokic yep. uh and in, in the last game Collins, I felt like he had like really active hands, like ripped it away from him once or twice while yeah. also being solid. Um, impressed with that there. Nas is moving his feet. And I think what you're getting, I think with the ant one, we need to like describe a little bit. Yeah. It's like awake off ball. That, or that's what I'm seeing. Right. Like really. He, I mean, I mean he, 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 I think the moments I noticed last night was like his on ball defense, which has never been the issue for ant. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some really, good moments on the ball it's it's it is still off the ball it is still getting around screens yeah. for ant that's going to be the weak link um but i i do think that there's also something to be said of of ant and carl you know kind of being you know not the lesser defenders by reputation but like if the rest of the team is going to be out there busting its butt on the defensive end of the floor mm-hmm. i think it makes those guys right give a crap a little bit more Sure. Maybe then they maybe then they would have two years ago, for instance, mm-hmm. when they weren't, you know, they were an okay defensive team, right? But they weren't this level of a defensive team. Um, so I do think there's something to be said just about the culture yep. of of this defensive team and how mm-hmm. this team seems to pride itself on that. And if you're not pulling your weight on right. the defensive end of the floor, what are you doing out there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's 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 a very good thing just from a, a team wide perspective and the way that they play team defense and are covering for each other, you know, right. low man help getting back. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's all seeming to be really working 
early in the season um, in, in half court defense. It's 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 really fun to watch. It is. It, it's it's fun. It's just having covered and watched this team for the Carl Anthony Towns era tenure. Like mm-hmm. it is just in my head kind of bizarre to be thinking about like this is where the defensive side of the ball is where this team is going to make its money like they were even when they were like bad they were often a top 10 offensive team in the early years uh of of carl's career and i think it's just it's this crazy kind of like flip switch that i'm trying to process in my head and so i just I, i just thought to ask carl about it because i'm like man if it's weird for me it's gotta be way different uh for you so i just asked carl about that uh the identity kind of shifting to the other side of the ball last night after the game carl felt like the first six years of your career like the identity of the team was to be a really good offensive team right and, and, and you were and the defense wasn't there it's kind of i mean shifting to to the defensive side yeah. how, how do you I mean just having been on both sides of that how do you what does that feel like i guess uh you know, it's just the development of this organization's identity. Uh, I think that whatever it takes to win, we got to be willing to do. And like you said, we've been really good on offense for a lot of years. Defense has let us down and immature mistakes have let us down at times. But being able to have something like defense to fall back on when our offense hasn't isn't working. Um, it's, I know it sounds cliche, but it's we'll win this championship. So. I actually don't think that's a cliche. You know, like, or in, like I, in that situation, I like, I don't, I don't think that's Carl being cliche. It's like yeah. this, like, and I would get like, just put our like selves as Carl in his career. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you're not around a lot of defensive personnel through, through most of your career outside of like the Jimmy year. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, like the button to press and to focus on for so many years of his career was, was offense. And and what that never did for him or for this team was like give a real baseline. What I really like about this defensive identity is I feel like there's a baseline every yeah. night. And that's why what I was saying at the top, like that's why I believe that if you get a good cat game, if you get a good ant game and you don't get busted in transition or on the offensive glass, like absolute, I will expect that is a win. I think they will win those games. And I think they will kill teams that aren't good. And yeah. the reason I say that is because beneath that the foundation of that equation is my belief that this is at least a top 10, if not a top five defensive team uh, right there. I, I'm just liking the security that that provides. And I think that's ultimately what the cliche of defense wins championship means. It provides those sort of bumpers, right? It's right. It's harder to stray one way or the other. It. it... It feels like, and this is this is what Rudy Gobert has has said. It's like, listen, if the defense is there every night, we have a chance to win, and that's also not a cliche. Yeah. That's I think that's the reality of this team. I feel like, I feel like it's a race to. It's not a race to like one twenty for for this team. Yeah. It's a race to one ten. If you yeah. can get to one ten, mm-hmm. um, I think you can hold. I mean, they've held four or five teams under a hundred. I think you can hold most teams maybe under a one ten. So yeah. you can score one ten a night. I feel like you're going to be all right. Um, which should also pretty easily happen with this team, you know, like, right, right. It, I mean, it's not happening yet. The offense, they're, they're right. figuring out the offensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. The efficiency isn't, you know, always there, but right. Got to believe that also at least incrementally improves over, over time as well. 
a hundred percent. And I, I think to your point about the transition, I, I'm flashing back to like some of their losses against lesser opponents yeah. last season and kind of the common denominator against a lot of those teams was they got killed in transition. It was like sure. these young, these young teams who otherwise mm-hmm. didn't know what they were doing would just get up and down the floor. I'm thinking of that Portland game late in the season, right. that, that backbreaking loss. Like these, these teams would just get up and down without any regard for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like if, like you said, as long as they can just kind of clamp down on that, which they have done a decent job of, they also, have, you know, I feel like Utah and Denver were were not the the best personnel to do that against the yeah. Wolves to run against the sure. Wolves. So in in a way, these last two games were really good matchups for them mm-hmm. in terms of uh, personnel. Um, you know, we'll see as we get into the schedule a little bit more here, um, but. As long as they honestly, as long as they defend, they. This is why I'm so excited for this month for this game tomorrow night. Like I'm really curious to see how they defend Boston. Yeah, really curious to see how Boston defends them. Um, like I, I'm. I don't think I've been as excited for a regular season game, right, man, as I as I am for this one in a long time because I think it's going to be really fun basketball to to watch. Um, I mean, Boston's the best team I've seen. I mean, not to like take away from Denver or to take away the Wolves yeah. win against Denver because obviously, you know, it's the champs. Like they, they beat it. They kill yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, 100%. But, it's almost, I mean, this is a very much like a house better right money now, right? Game. Right, like, right. It's a house money game for the yeah. Wolves. You lose this, it's like, oh, well, you lost to Boston. They're, they're mm-hmm. the best team in the NBA right now. Right. Um, it's, it's, I think we, we've kind of said this before. It's like last year might have been the floor for this defense. That last year might have been a worst case scenario for for everything that this team would That's be good. on on defense. Like like Rudy was struggling, um, you know, no Carl uh, for whatever that means. Playing a ton of bad defensive guards. Right, right. Yeah, and there were eight. Mm-hmm. And Delo was here for two thirds of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, not Mike Conley. Yeah. Um, like, and they and they still kind of held it together. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying really quickly, trying to see just like Rudy's on-off numbers uh, defensively, and seeing how they've kept that. Look, look that up. With, I, I, I have Rudy. a. I want to say something to the the bad teams point. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think what we are going and again, this isn't going to be Boston or even really New Orleans, but at, at some point, right when. We, we talk about the teams who, who kind of, by the way, okay, uh, yeah. I'll get back to you about a second, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, we talked about all the time that they're losing the record against the bottom five teams in the league or whatever right. last year. Mm-hmm. I think when there's a stretch of like two or three of those and a couple of games, um, everyone's going to have their eyes like turned on to those games. Like, Oh, are they going to take this opponent uh, less seriously? And, you know, hopefully they, they, you know, that that's all on them. Right. You know, right. have the awareness, right, right, right. have the, to bring it, even if it's a, a lesser team. But what I think those teams are going to start doing is not only they're going to enter the game with the game plan of running, running, running like the book is out there. They're going to do that offensively. Right. And then defensively, what I think is going to start happening is they're going to know they are outmatched against the Wolves individual like scorers. I think they're just going to start switching everything. Right. And daring the Wolves to like isolate and and settle. A, a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're just going to switch the five onto Ant, you know, and, and we're going to kind of like drop back and hopefully he's going to 
settle for a, a mid-range shot. I, I think they're just going to try and bog the Wolves down into taking away that ball movement. Like, if I'm the coach of a bad team and I know I can't match up with the yeah. straight you, up, you, you let's want, run you, and let's switch. Yeah, you want to you force them into iso ball, making bad decisions mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of ball. Exactly. Which is what happened in that Atlanta game in mm -hmm. the second half. Right. Um, which is as bad as they've looked all season so mm -hmm. far. And that led to Atlanta running in transition, right. which takes away the Wolves' mm -hmm. superpower of half-court defense. Exactly. So that, that was kind of like the perfect storm of how you... It's kind of like the book the right now. Right, like, right. But, but some of this is controllable for the Wolves. Yeah, it's for like, sure. Don't, That's what's like, good. <laughs> don't be dumb on offense. Yes. And this won't happen. Right. Um, so, it reminds me of when two years before the year before rudy that what we were talking about earlier the yeah. doubling cat in the post thing like that's the book you want your best chance at slowing down the wolves do that force them into being perimeter shooters right mm -hmm. the, the lesser skill of that like that is going to be the strategy against this this they have different weaknesses now with this group which is the transition defense and is the stickiness or lack of ball movement why I don't think those teams will win as many of those games outside of even the mentality is I think these things, those weaknesses are on the mind of the coaching staff, of the players to, all right, we are getting sticky. They're switching everything. Timeout. We're not doing this, right? They're running right. us. Timeout. We're, we're, what are we doing here to uh, to recalibrate ourselves? I, I think I, I say that to me, and I think while those are the weaknesses, mm -hmm. like you said, they're just much more, they feel more controllable or I, or I have greater confidence in this team being able to control them. I think those weaknesses are also on the mind of Mike Conley when it happens offensively too. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's a difference from D'Lo a year ago is especially in that Denver game on Wednesday, Mike was very intentional about yeah. grabbing the reins of the offense in that third quarter mm -hmm. and making sure that a repeat of what happened in Atlanta did not happen against Denver. Mm -hmm. And you know that's that to me is the formula when when that starts to happen. It's like Mike Conley is the guy that gets you out of that or gets gets you back going again. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, like Finch has used this before, like an extension of the coaching staff, kind of on the floor right. in those situations. By the way, I did I did find Rudy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Off, Sorry. The on off the on off defensive numbers of of Rudy this year because I was just curious how they were playing defense mm -hmm. with him off court. This is NBA.com, so garbage time is not filtered out. Um, defensive rating with Rudy on the floor, 103.5, which is very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, defensive rating with Rudy off the floor, 93. <laughs> so also very good. Also very good. But that's just encouraging because yeah. you're not worried about the Rudy on minute. Right. You're right. Not right. It's not, it's not like this defense like yeah. turns off once he's off the early stage. It yeah. hasn't yet. The defense is it not did last off year. once he's on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It does not turn off so hmm. far once he's been off the floor. Very encouraging sign. Um, and that's been like 80, I think it was 85 minutes so far with him off the floor. Yeah. Not tiny. Um, not not tiny. So hmm. significant that, that it's they can keep it up whether he's on the floor or not. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, let's uh let's move over to uh Ant. And and I uh I think it's interesting to talk about ant and shot selection and some of those things when it comes after a good game. I, you nor sure. I can't mm-hmm. go point at ant and be like, Oh, those shots cost him the game, whatever. He was like 13 and 19 from the field. He was making shots from two point range from the mid range and from, and from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not bagging on it last game. Like he, he did it, you know, he, he yeah. was, he was uh, effective in that game. The reason I I bring this up is it was pretty clear to me that you were writing a story about this um, by by your questions uh, post game to Finch. It's fairly um, evident, and, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> so I just I, I'm not trying to. I know people are a little frustrated by us hammer nitpicking here, but I, I do this to to mm-hmm. say like, what are they thinking about this? This is what, we, we know what we're thinking about this mid range thing. You asked Finch, and I thought this was uh, an interesting. Uh, answer about why uh, Ant's mid-range is is so up in frequency this year. Ant has been top five in the league in mid-range attempts uh, per game so far. How yeah. have you kind of felt about that? And how yeah, I love them when they go in. Yeah, and when they don't go in, it's probably you know. Listen, the, in the flow of the game, um, uh, you know, there's time and place for him. You know, and he's he's. He, He's got the ability to make them, you know, and um, it's he's something that he, he wants to add to his game. But as I said last time, I was here last the other night, you know, you got to double down on the things that you're really good at, you know, and, and tonight he he got to the rim a lot, you know. Um, you know, and I thought he turned down some threes, and I'd like to see him let those fly a little bit more. Um, but, yeah. 
so Chris, give me give me your thoughts. Like you're obviously writing about this, you're thinking about this. Um, what, so, what what does it mean for the wolves? It seems like it's going to be here to stay, just based off yeah. of you know what what Ant was saying. Um, he's doubled his frequency um, from a close to three to six mm -hmm. so far. Um, it's come a little bit at the expense of three pointers. It's come a little bit at the expense of attacking the rim. Those shot attempts so far are down. Shots in the restricted area are down by like two mm -hmm. a game. His three-point attempts are down almost two a game as well. So that's where it's kind of been coming from, both of those areas. Um, but this is something that Ant has really worked on. He works on it a ton. That was his answer last night is that he's like, oh, this is all I work on, basically. And then he corrected himself. He's like, no, I work on other things, too. But, like, this has been, like, a huge focus of his is improving and trying to perfect as much as possible this mid-range game. He's been working on trying to bank shots more. Using hit one of those glass. last night. Yeah, he hit one of those last night. He's been working on using the glass a lot more, both mid-range and around the basket. Um mm -hmm how he uses the glass has been a big part of his development. Um, but it's, it's important to him. And he had a good night last night. He was six of seven from the mid range last night. Mm. And that really upped his percentage uh, from like mid thirties to into the forties so far this season. Um, but it was really because he went six of seven last night. Other than that, he's been struggling um, to hit yeah. those shots so far this season. I, I so, like, I like how you frame it though. Like, he wants to improve that area of his game. Yeah. That that in and of itself, very good idea, right? Yeah. He is he's not and 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 and, and he's gonna necessarily need to have a mid-range bag, like mm -hmm. in this season and in his career. So you understand working on it and getting those up there. I mean, the, the stat I always say is every single year of his career, he shot better from three-point range than he has from mid-range. Right. Just so you go, well, that make this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But that's just because he's been like a 35% mid-range shooter uh, for his career. He needs to, like, let's forget about volume for a second. He needs yep. to get better at that to be in the mid-40s plus. I, I looked it up uh, before this, and there are only five players in the league who are taking a greater frequency of their shots from that long mid-range area this season than Ant is. And it's kind of the usual suspects. It's DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant. Killian Hayes, that's random, Jamal mm -hmm. Murray, and Clay Thompson. <clears throat> and so those, those are the only guys who are shooting more mid-range shots in terms of frequency than Ant is. And yeah. if you focus on the top two, right, th those are like the main mid-range guys, DeRozan and right. Durant. Right. And like DeRozan, has, I mean, large sample size with him throughout his career, he's been a high 40s guy, right? Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. and Ant is, was 35% from long mid-range last year. Durant has been a high fifties guy. I mean, he's a right. freak mid range. Like that's, that becomes as good as right. a 40% three Correct. point shot. Right. Right. He was, right. he was 58% last year. So Ant was 35% on long mid range last year, 35. DeRozan was 46 on long mid range last year. And Durant was 58%. Ant getting up into that DeRozan range would be very meaningful for this, for this team. It doesn't mean the volume needs to be as big, but but I, I like I, I guess I just like the the glass half full on this is he's working on improving a skill 
that, that was a weakness. That was a weakness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's what it is. And, and it's important to him because he feels like in, in his answer last night, he feels like this is going to help him attack the rim more. Yeah, because if if people know that he's going to be pulling mm -hmm. up and can hit that shot at a respectable rate, it's going to allow him to get to the basket a little easier. For sure, that's and makes sense. Um, so a little hesitation, like get the fifteen, you kind of hesitate. The fifteen hesitate, yeah. they have to respect it, and then all of a sudden you're going yep. right by them again. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 part of his answer that that I'm going to keep an eye on and just and just pin is like he did say like in the fourth quarter. Sometimes uh, let me see if I can find the exact exact wording because in the fourth quarter you can't always get to the paint and they're going to run you off the three point line so you mm -hmm. have to have an in between game that mm -hmm. was his quote so you know I, I think that's something to watch in fourth quarters of games is he is he settling for the mid range in those instances or is he shooting them because they are clogging the lane yeah. slash running him off the three-point line. That's well, a factor here too, man. It's it's why Cat's driving game is worse, right? It's clogged right. around the basket a lot of the time. Right. And, and, and it is. And that's This is a product of having Rudy on the floor in yes. these situations is the lane is going to be clogged more. Mm -hmm. So he's going to shoot. Oh, you got to live with that. Again, we, this you ties do. The you do. You do. You got to live with gotta Rudy live clogging with it. it a little bit because he's going to maybe make you the yeah, best you, defensive you team. Need, you need what he's giving you on the other end of the floor. Yes. So this is gonna this is gonna be a new reality that I think we all kind of have to get used to um, mm -hmm. is seeing a higher volume of of mid range shots from Ant. It's it's gone up from like I said close to three to six so yep. far this season. Um, I, I think you know he need I think he still needs to be a high volume three point shooter, and that's I think that to me is a little more concerning. Mm -hmm. It's like. Don't let this come at the expense of taking threes because yeah. you're a good three-point shooter um, and trading off some of those for more, right now, more inefficient mid-range shots doesn't feel like the best trade-off right now. He's 69th in three-point attempts this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, some teams have played like an extra game, so it's probably more like realistic, like 50th or whatever. Yeah. But he shoot 54% from three. Yeah. The three looks awesome. He's clearly confident in it. You know, yeah. It's so I, I hope it's never came off from me or I've just known you guys from any of us when we talk about this that we're saying, gotta cut that out like completely. Like, no mid ant needs to have a mid-range game. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. And like I'm not saying he should delete that would uh that would limit you know his his ceiling. It is just uh the selection of those and Knowing when to lean on them and knowing when to no, kind right. Of knowing, get away and, from and them. it's knowing when to take them is is yep. the is the big part. It's not forcing them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everybody loves it when the the turnaround fadeaways go in, right? Right. How many of those are we going to see, and how efficient will those be? It's it's. I think it's I think it's more of the when than the yes. than the how many with those mm -hmm. to me is the big question. And are they quality looks versus? forced looks very last thing for you because i know mm -hmm. now, now you're just a you're just a multimedia superstar you got radio hits all <laughs> over the place uh so we got to get you out of here but yeah. I, I just to the the nitpick mm -hmm. section of a 28 point blowout uh we mentioned i just i just wanted to note the Jaden foul trouble which we kind of did yeah. um and that they got hurt on the offensive glass last game i don't say that to mean Jaden's for sure going to be in foul trouble every single game. We we hope for growth there. 
Uh, we don't think this team is going to be a bad rebounding team every single game. Um, I say that to note it and to be like, all right, how many games until the next time Jaden is in foul trouble? How many till how many games till the next time the opponent offensive rebounds 40% of their misses? You know, like those yeah. are, we know again from last season, two things that hurt this team, right? Mm-hmm. Jaden getting in foul trouble and uh, getting hurt on, on the glass. I don't. I guess the Jaden one is just like belief of maturity for me that that's going to be lesser this season um, to be determined, right? He looked like he got very yeah. frustrated and that contributed uh, to that being that way last night. And I think I just love what Rudy's doing on the defensive glass this year. Like, I, I don't think we're going to have as many of those games, but it, it's worth noting those things, right? It is. It is. Um, like you said, it's the frequency with, with which they happen. Um Jaden, I think it kind of started in the second half of the Wednesday game. Uh, you saw you saw the flagrant. I think there was mm-hmm. one possession. He got two fouls on one possession. Yep. Um, maybe cutting cutting some of that out could be beneficial. Sure. It's like one one foul leads to another. Um, you know, I don't know if that's just him not trying to lose his aggressiveness or if it's a little mm-hmm. bit of frustration that builds up and he just right. commits another foul. Um, rebounding, I, I've been overall like I don't think you for have, sure. Aside from aside from last night, any complaints about mm-hmm. about the rebounding so far this season? Feels like guys are being very intentional about rebounding. We saw Jaden with nine rebounds against Denver. Ant had eight again yeah. last night. Ant had the game where he had fourteen earlier this season. So it does seem like they're getting the, some of the production that they need from mm-hmm. the wings and, and guards uh, in terms of the rebounding. So that's been an encouraging sign so far this season. Um, the intention yeah, on that from the guards and the intention wings on that from the guards has been noticeable this mm-hmm. season. Um, and you just notice fewer back breaking kind of possessions where teams are getting second and third shots. Mm-hmm. Um, the frequency with which it happens will be, will be interesting to track. I think they're still vulnerable to those nights mm-hmm. on the nights where maybe, you know, the guards aren't on their, on their stuff. Um, but if it's happening one every five games as opposed to yeah. four every five games, uh, big win for, mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah, so. it's frequency, right? And frequency. and it's totally excusable mm-hmm. for Jaden to get in foul trouble a lot of the time. Right. Given his defensive job. the Can, can we not add to that with frustration fouls? I think that that's yeah. what it is. Jaden, just in nature of his position, and I think because he's 6'11", Garden, shorter players, optically, it's getting, it just gets, that's, he's in a position to get more whistles. I think also a mini excuse for the rebounding last night. I mean, that's kind of what Utah is. They're yeah. huge, right? They're like yeah. they, they're going to impose themselves. I'm to the Boston thing. I'm watching that. That's another big team, big team. Yeah. one through five physical like guards don't only need to get in there like they got to hit and go get get the ball too like on on the glass so again we're tracking these things um these are the weaknesses of of the group can they be lesser more infrequent um issues that's you know that's the question and that's ultimately when we're nitpicking we're saying how close are they to the ceiling can you remove those so far like through five games this team is in a good place like Mm -hmm. overall Um, absolutely and you think about where we were through five games last season (laughs) everything was on fire um uh but i feel 
you know, just much better with where this, the foundation of where this team is at right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're in a very good spot. Even if they lose tomorrow against Boston, to mm -hmm. me, not a huge deal. Um, and they're three and three through six games. I think that they are set up to be a very good team on a nightly basis. I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Uh, he's Chris Hine uh, over at the Star Tribune. You can follow him at Christopher Hine. He's going to have that piece up on Ant tomorrow. On Monday? Uh, yeah, probably tomorrow morning. Yep. Um, so, so give that a look. Again, another thing to be tracking that, uh, while made more effective, raises the ceiling of this team. And I, I'm personally really opening my eyes to to the ceiling being higher. And what better test for that than what I think is the best team in the NBA right now in the Boston Celtics on Monday? Um, I will be back uh, to talk to you guys uh, about that after that game. Um, figured it out if Kyle and I are going to go on Tuesday. Jason and I will for sure go um, on Wednesday. But Chris, uh, appreciate you doing it. I'll let you go. You guys can follow him again on Twitter at Christopher Hine uh, until after the Boston game. He's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out.